God, we ask that you would help us to be attentive uh, to your word now. Uh, Remove from us the distractions, the worries, uh, any anxiety uh, that cloud our minds uh, right now. We pray and ask that you would give us uh, eyes that are good to see, ears that are good to hear, and hearts that are fertile soil to receive your word, your truth, your grace. I pray and ask that as my words are true to your word, that they might be taken to heart. If my words stray in any way from your word, may they be quickly forgotten. We pray in Christ the Lord. Amen. So my question this morning is, what does the Lord's Prayer have to do with world missions? That's what we're going to talk about this morning, at least for a little bit. What does the Lord's Prayer have to do with world missions? Uh, Very familiar to us, all of us have prayed the Lord's Prayer in different ways over the course of much or most of our lives. What does it have to do with world missions? We're going to talk about this as part of our ongoing study of our newly articulated values, which Jeff prayed, you may have noticed, uh, and which I've been encouraging you to memorize. So we're going to do a little quiz test uh, of that right now. So uh, if you're here in the sanctuary, if you're at home, If you're up for the challenge, close your eyes and let's see if we can say those. They're going to be on the screen, but let's see if we can say those, how far you can get with our eyes closed. Uh, I'm probably going to embarrass myself. Here we go. Following the Lord Jesus, we strive to love all people unconditionally, serve our neighbors generously, advance God's purposes globally, pour into the next generation intentionally, and cultivate spiritual growth continuously. How did you do? Do okay? Sort of okay? All right, we're on the road. We can do this. Now to the scriptures. What we know uh, and refer to as the Lord's Prayer uh, was not recorded in Mark. We've spent lots of time, most of our time in Mark since uh, the beginning of September, uh, even as we've begun this series on the newly articulated values, but there really isn't uh, an addition or a version of the Lord's Prayer in Mark's Gospel. The closest that comes, that Jesus comes in Mark's Gospel to what we might call the Lord's Prayer is one verse in chapter 11 where Jesus says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. And that just alludes to part of the Lord's Prayer. But when we really pray the Lord's Prayer, we're thinking of a version that occurs in Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel, and mostly Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 6, verse, beginning at verse 9. So I'll read from there. Listen closely. These are the words of Jesus. This is the Word of God. This then, Jesus said, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then the last part that we have in our minds and often say was just an addition uh, by the early church. And it's this part where Jesus talks about your kingdom come and your will be done that will be of interest to us this morning. Jesus came announcing God's kingdom, 
that it was coming. You remember in chapter one of Mark's gospel, that was Jesus' primary message. God's kingdom was coming. God's kingdom was near. Repent, think differently, go a different direction, believe the good news, and that good news was the good news of God's kingdom. God's kingdom was coming. And as Matthew records Jesus' words, Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. And literarily, this functions as what scholars call a couplet, uh, and a couplet was two ways of saying basically the same thing, complementary ways of saying the same thing, one after another in a different way with uh, and for the sake of emphasis. A little differently, but the same message. Father in heaven, may your kingdom come. Father of the heavens, may your will be done. Which helps us to understand that God's kingdom exists where and when what God wills is done. God's kingdom comes when and where what God wills is done. What God wants is done. What God desires is done. What God intends is done. People sometimes say, maybe you have said, maybe I have said, sometimes we say in looking back, well, I guess that must have been God's will. But in the scriptures, primarily, God's will refers not to whatever happened, as if we embrace a fatalistic worldview, as if God willed such and such to happen, whatever happened, it must have been God's will. But rather, much of what God's will refers to in the scriptures is what God wants, what God desires, what God intends to happen and come about. And so we see in the scriptures that God's will primarily is that people not murder, steal, lie, or covet. God's will is that people not slander, gossip, or boast. God's will is that people love mercy, do justly, and walk humbly with their God. God's will is that in all circumstances, people give thanks to Him. God's will is that people love God, that people trust God, that people obey God. God's will is that people love their neighbors, love strangers, and love their enemies. God's will is that people rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. God's will is that people do good. God's will is that people be sanctified and avoid sexual immorality. God's will is that people forgive as the Lord has forgiven them. God's will is that people be reconciled to one another and reconciled to God. God's will is that people live generously. You get the picture. God ex God's expressed will up to where we got in Mark's gospel included and includes following Jesus, trusting Jesus, experiencing God's forgiveness, experiencing God's healing. These are God's will. God's will, we see at the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Luke's gospel, is that the poor receive good news, that the blind see, that the oppressed are set free. And God's will is that no one perishes, but instead that everyone comes to repentance. God's will is that all people come to a knowledge of truth and are saved. And all of this, and all of this is not exhaustive or a complete description, but all of this 
taken together, we could say, is God's will, God's revealed will for all of us, for all people, for the world. And inasmuch as the kingdom of God is the reality or the realm in which what God's what God wills is done, then we can say that all of the above is the kingdom of God. The kingdom Jesus inaugurated, the kingdom Jesus taught his disciples to pray and ask God to bring about. This then is how you should pray, what you should pray for, what you should hope for in prayer, what you should pray towards. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. And because our newly articulated values were written not only with us insiders in mind, but also and consciously with those in mind who are not a part of the church or not a part of any church and who don't speak Christianese, we try to use terms, phrases, words that would hopefully make sense to people outside of the church. And still instead of kingdom, we said, and we say purposes, instead of God's will, we say purposes. And we not only pray for God's purposes to come about, to come to fruition, to happen, to be manifest, but we labor, we advocate, advocate, we strive for that as well. Jesus told his disciples, his followers, his students, you know this, to seek first God's kingdom. That has the idea in English of merely looking for something though, like hide and seek. And looking for God's kingdom is valid. We should look for God's kingdom. It is around us. It is among us. It is within us, Jesus said. And we should aspire to God's kingdom, his will being done, his purposes being manifest. But it is not only looking. It is not only seeking to see, but it is also seeking to bring about, seeking to be committed to, going beyond just looking, And so advancing God's purposes, we advance God's purposes. And that advancing involves praying, that advancing involves speaking, that advancing involves doing, that advancing involves joyfully giving, and that advancing involves strategizing. A couple of weeks ago, two Sundays ago, 14 days ago, almost 100 million people among whom were some of us, watched the Super Bowl. And for two weeks prior to the Super Bowl, you had two coaching staffs of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs putting all of their available resources, effort, time, and energy toward planning, toward strategizing, toward watching game film toward discussing, toward mapping, toward strategizing how they might advance the ball against the other team's defense into the other team's end zone. They planned, they strategized, they worked at how they would advance the ball effectively, fruitfully, successfully how much more important that we put thought, energy, time, and resources and how, and how we might advance God's purposes in the world. And we do that through prayer. We do that through, through preparing. We do that through speaking. We do that through conversation. We do that through doing. We do that through joyful giving. 
We do that as we follow Jesus. We do that as a part of our following Jesus. We believe that God's kingdom was inaugurated at Jesus' coming, and we understand that God has called us now, as he called his first disciples, to not just acknowledge that it was inaugurated at Jesus' coming, but to advance God's purposes every day and in every way that we can. His kingdom is coming. And there's more. This is how you should pray, Jesus said. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it has occurred to me that Jesus, who never traveled more than 200 miles from where he was born, could have taught his disciples to pray primarily for God's purposes to be enacted and done and fulfilled and carried out and happen in his immediate family or among his close friends or in his neighborhood or in his community or in his town or in Galilee or in Samaria or in Judea or in all of Palestine or in all of the Mediterranean world or in all of the Roman Empire. But no, Jesus prays and tells his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on all of the earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we pray, consciously or unconsciously. That's what we at least verbalize and speak every time we pray the Lord's Prayer. That God's purposes would come about, not just in our little world, not just for us, not just for me, not just locally, but all over the earth. And so we strive to advance God's purposes globally. We strive to intend what we speak when we say the Lord's Prayer. This doesn't negate the importance of advancing God's purposes locally. Certainly filled with God's Spirit, Jesus' disciples went out from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and Galilee and to the ends of the earth, but they didn't neglect their own city but they also headed to the ends of the earth. And what Jesus called and charged his disciples to do, then we continually strive to do in joyful obedience to this day. And this Lenten season, through our pledge to the Paul Mercy Home in India, for boys who are orphaned, for boys whose parents can't take care of themselves, for boys who are under-resourced, an opportunity for them to come into a knowledge of God's love through the scriptures, through Jesus, through his spirit, an opportunity for them to be blessed with food and love and care and a roof over their heads. More broadly, we advance God's purposes specifically by praying, giving, going, and witnessing. As Jesus taught his disciples to pray, may our prayer continually include all people of the earth consciously. Those who are in Christ and those who are not in Christ, those who follow Jesus and those who do not follow Jesus, those who have heard the gospel and received it and those who have not yet heard the gospel that saves. And let us pray that God's purposes will be advanced especially in and among them. Amen.
and let us give to that end. Though we have just, as again, we know, as Jeff noted in prayer, as we have been through just now a very difficult year, and in many ways financially difficult for our nation, and still for many people, we still remain among the most blessed people on earth financially, physically, resourcefully, materially. If you have a net worth of only $4,210, a net worth, all the value of everything you possess, you have more assets to your name than 50% of the people in the world. If you have a net worth, not an annual income, but a net cumulative worth of $93,000, your net worth is greater than that of 90% of the people on earth today. Moreover, through no effort of our own, a U.S. dollar just happens to go significantly further as currency in many countries of the world further than it does in the United States. In many or most countries, more meals, Bibles, medicine, and salaries can be paid with $1,000 outside the United States, for example, in India, than inside the United States. It makes good investment sense to give toward the advancement of God's purposes in every nation around the world to every people among every ethnicity until all people have heard the gospel that saves and let us go and sin Jesus calls his followers not to sit and not to stay but to go and others to sin a hundred years ago, it took three months to get to India. And it was an expensive and sometimes very dangerous, risky voyage. Today, a person can get from here to almost any city in India in 24 hours or less. The church has, this church has sent out many longtime missionaries over its history to other countries. And as recently as a couple of years ago, May God continue to raise up among us, here, there, at home, collectively. May God continue to raise up men and women who will go, and men and women who will actively sin. People who will go short-term, people who will go long-term, people who will go for life. Compared to the past, going to the uttermost parts of the earth has never been more accessible, more doable, and more possible. And finally, let us witness. For those of us who do not go, we are here surrounded, especially where we are in San Mateo on the peninsula in Northern California in the Bay Area. We are surrounded by people from all over the world who still have familial connections and close friends all over the earth, may we bear witness to them in clear and effective ways through words and deeds of love about a God who is love and who so loved the world, cosmos, there's your Greek word for today, who so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. He didn't have a lot of sons. He didn't have a lot of daughters. He didn't have a lot of children. One. A God who so loved the whole earth, cosmos, 
that he sent, that he gave up, that he relinquished, that he let go of, that he sacrificed his one and only son in love. May we become people who are more and more often at every possible opportunity according to the leading of the Spirit and the help of God's Spirit, global followers of Jesus, even right here and right now, the world is at our doorstep. The world is at our doorstep. It has come to us. And it's not enough to just pray for the world or even to give to world missions. God has called us as a congregation and as individuals to advance all of God's purposes globally. Not just to learn about world missions, though that's a start, but to actually move the needle, to push forward, to invest heavily, to act strategically, to give generously, to send and go, and to always bear witness to the world in our midst. Two weeks ago today, two weeks ago this afternoon, Durwood Allen Bussey passed away at the age of 91 from complications of Parkinson's disease. He was a Presbyterian pastor and a member of San Francisco Presbytery. Born in Portage, Wisconsin in 1929, Woody, as he was known by his friends and family, would eventually do two years of community college in Cedar Falls, Iowa, then go on to the University of Dubuque and matriculate from there in 1952. From then he went and spent three years at Dubuque Presbyterian Seminary where he graduated in 1955. And 18 months later, he would marry Barbara. Two years after that, and for the 13 years that would follow until 1972, Woody became the director of the Alborzi Foundation, a student center for Tehran University, where he would install and implement the first of its kind center for guidance and counseling in Iran, 99.9% Muslim. In 1973, Woody and Barbara returned to the United States for where for seven years he pastored Winton Hills Presbyterian Church, a multicultural congregation. In 1980, the buses were sent by the Presbyterian Church USA to Lahore, Pakistan, which as you may have heard, isn't always the friendliest place toward Americans, Westerners, Christians where Woody's assignment was to denationalize Foreman Christian College, which was founded many years earlier by the Presbyterian missionary Dr. Charles Foreman, and which today, thanks in part to Woody's work, remains one of the most outstanding Christian colleges in all of Asia and in all of the Muslim world. In 1984, the Bussey family moved to Berkeley, California, as Woody became the director of Presbyterians United for Mission Advancement, Puma bringing added world missions life to the congregations in the presbyteries of San Francisco and San Jose and Redwoods, the Redlands. In 1999, Woody and Barbara were commissioned to open a new work for the PCUSA and became PCUSA liaisons for five countries of Central Asia, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, and Turkmenistan. The assignment was to find partnerships with holistic mission work in Central Asia. In 2005, Woody became acting director of the Office of International Evangelism in the Worldwide Ministries Division of the HQ of the PCUSA. 
in Kentucky. In 2006, he began also working with Presbyterian Frontier Fellowship, seeking to mobilize local churches to be involved with unreached people groups around the world, reaching people who had never had a chance to hear the gospel in words and terms and ways they could understand. And his bio goes on. He never retired. Continuing to advance God's purposes globally all the way up till the last weeks and days of his life two weeks ago. And I think of Woody as someone who was fully devoted to advancing God's purposes globally. I was talking with a friend who was about my age this past week, and he was reflecting on, oh, wow, we're well past halfway. Well past halfway. Don't have nearly as much left as we've already done. What does our record look like? with regard to advancing God's global purposes or advancing God's purposes globally? And what are we going to do with our remaining years? It's easy at this point to put it in neutral, to put it in cruise, to drift along. But God has called us to move the needle and to continue to move the needle, to push not the football forward, but to advance God's purposes, which are many, globally around the world and to be a part of that enterprise in which God is still deeply interested. Psalm 72 says, May His glory fill the whole earth. We pray so often, May God's kingdom come. May His kingdom of love come. May God's purposes of love be advanced. I was reminded this week of the words of an American music icon from several decades ago that really aren't scriptural words, but on the other hand, maybe they are. When the power of love overcomes the love of power, we will know peace. When the power of love overcomes the love of power, then God's shalom will arrive. May this be so through us, by God's mercy, according to his leading. May his kingdom come. May his will and his purposes be done. Let's pray. We speak these words together, God, at home and here in the sanctuary according to the ways that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen.